Well, good morning. I'm Stephen. I'm the pastor here at the church, and I want to. We're going to go on a ride today. Um, we're going to look at a lot of the Bible, lots of different places. Um, if you want to take notes, I would encourage you to write some things down today uh, as we start this new series uh, on emotionally healthy spirituality. That's where we're going to go. In the next eight weeks, we're going to be talking about this. Some of you are going to hear this message and think, I think I'm going to skip the next seven weeks. I'll just come back at Easter. And um, I'd encourage you not to do that. I'd encourage you, if you feel angst, if you feel kind of stressed, if you feel, hey, if you feel anything, then that's, you're in the right place because we're talking about emotions, right? That's what this series is all about. Um, we have, there's a book written by a guy named Peter Scazzaro, uh, and there's video curriculum that our, that our life groups are going to be using throughout the series. So if you're not in a life group, um, please jump into one. This is going to be a, there are great opportunities to talk and discuss over the next eight weeks, the material going deeper with uh, the material we're going to be talking about in the sermon series. And so I want to start this series called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by showing you something. Okay, I'm just going to show you something. Here we go. So what are these? They're emotions, right? Pretty fitting, given the fact that we have a series like this. Um, but these aren't just random emotions, okay? These aren't random emotions. These are actually Jesus's emotions in Mark's gospel. Okay, these are the emotions of Jesus in Mark's gospel. It's not a complete list, but these are 14 different emotions that Jesus demonstrates that are written down and recorded so that we can see Jesus's emotions. As we embark on this series, we're going to talk a lot about emotions, uh, and I want to give you a definition. So you remember how when we started the year, uh, we talked about how um, like we're cultivating the soul this year, and our emotions are part of our souls. So we are going to look at emotional health and how it relates specifically to spirituality, okay? The point of this isn't to just do a deep dive on psychology. Y'all can go see therapists. You can pay therapists to do that, and some of you need to. I know I do, and I do, actually. Um, but we're going to be looking at how it relates to spiritual maturity, right? Emotionally healthy spirituality and spiritual maturity. And so, um, so let me give you a definition of emotions that's going to govern our series. Um, this is I've really worked hard to try to give you a definition that I think holds some very serious weight to it and can explain lots of things that you experience. And so this is the definition that we're going with. It's the, the emotions are feelings that show your body's judgments on the things in your life. Okay, that's what your emotions are. They are feelings that show your body's judgments on the things in your life. So when you feel nervous, when you feel anxious, when you love or hate, when you are bitter or angry, these feelings are your body making a judgment about something in your life. Your feelings are judgments. Your feelings are your body saying to you, hey, this is how I feel about this. That's what your emotions are. When you have joy, when you have fear, when you're frustrated, when you're thankful, 
We feel all of these things at different times, and these emotions are our body making judgments. These emotions are our body saying, hey, I feel something about this. It's a judgment that your body's making. If you have good emotions and your body is saying, this is good. If there are negative emotions, your body is saying, hey, we're in a negative situation here. I don't like this. And so that's what they are. Emotions are your body's judgments about things in your life. Um, and emotions aren't wrong to have. Positive or negative, emotions are not wrong to have. How do we know this? Because Jesus had emotions. Right? And so this means that perfect humanity had emotions. Perfect humanity feels Perfect humanity displayed emotions. And so Jesus was not afraid to feel. Jesus wasn't afraid to show people how he felt. So let me give you a quote by C.S. Lewis. There's something good in this quote, and then there's something awful in this quote. Okay? C.S. Lewis said this, God could, had he pleased, have been incarnate in a man of iron nerves the stoic sort who lets no sigh escape him. Of his great humility, he chose to be incarnate in a man of delicate sensibilities who wept at the grave of Lazarus and sweated blood in Gethsemane. So when I read this quote, I thought, oh man, this is so good. Because here we see that C.S. Lewis is recognizing that in, in coming to earth, God, when God came to earth, he could have been one of these stoic people who never feels anything and is above all things and nothing affects him because he's that zen, you know? But he didn't. And I like that distinction, that Jesus wasn't a stoic. But there's a problem here with this quote. Did you see it? Did you see the problem here with what he's saying? C.S. Lewis describes weeping at the grave of someone you love or sweating blood as having delicate sensibilities. Not true. Not true. I think in this way, Lewis was probably a product of his culture, a product of his day. Because the emotions of Jesus are not delicate sensibilities. The emotions of Jesus are perfect sensibilities. Instead of saying, oh man, how sad that Jesus wept at the tomb of Lazarus. Instead we should say, let's stop and contemplate the reality that the God who became human was so moved that he wept at the tomb of his friend. Right? These are perfect sensibilities. The Jesus of the Bible is emotional. He felt the entire range of human emotions. And so I want to walk through some of these things. I showed you 14 of them, um, and I want to show you some of the verses that are associated with them. And we'll send out the verses. So if you didn't get that slide before, don't worry. We'll send it out this week. Um, but as we look at some of these verses, I want you to ask yourself, have you felt these? Have you felt these emotions? And then what does it mean that Jesus, the perfect human being, felt these things too? Okay, so let's look first at Mark chapter 1, verse 41. Compassion. 
it says this. It says, this is Jesus being approached by a leper to be clean. And it says this, moved with pity, he, Jesus, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. So Jesus was moved with pity. Jesus was emotionally affected by the approach of the leper. This is a leper who was ostracized from community. Nobody could be around him because he was contagious and he couldn't touch anyone. Jesus could have just said, hey, keep your distance. You know the way things work, right? Come on, I don't want to get your thing. Like, it's not loving for you to come this close to me, right? Jesus could have healed him with a word, but instead Jesus moved with pity, stretched out his hand and touched him. Maybe it was the first time he had been touched in years. Jesus was moved with compassion. And he healed this person, not just as like, oh, I got to check this off because, yeah, part of my Messiah to-do list is to heal people, right? Jesus looked into this man's face and touched him because he was moved with compassion. Compassion is part of Jesus' perfect emotional life. Let's look at Mark 3, verse 5. This is Jesus again. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. And so this is Jesus healing someone who had a withered hand. Um, And doing it, though, the, the situation provoked Jesus because the religious leaders brought Jesus, this person, trying to trap him, trying to see if Jesus would heal in the synagogue um, on, the, uh, like on, on the Sabbath. And Jesus saw what they were doing. He saw that they were trying to manipulate the situation. They were trying to trap Jesus into getting him to do something that they could then accuse him of. And then they were using this person, this person who was Uh, who was hurt, who was deformed. They were using him and bringing him in and manipulating the situation. And so Jesus is looking at them and he's angry. Jesus is angry and he's grieved at their hardness of heart. And so you see here the anger of Jesus. You see the grief, the sorrow that they would stoop to this level. Jesus was affected by it. He was grieved at their hardness of heart. More on anger later in Mark's gospel in chapter 11, verses 15 to 17, it says, and he, Jesus, entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he was teaching them and saying to them, is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. And so Jesus is disrupting. He is, um, with, with, with anger, Jesus is coming in angry and he's flipping tables over. Um, in John's gospel, it's important to see how sometimes the gospels bring out different details, but in John 2.15, it says, it begins this by saying, and making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen, and he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And I love this phrase, and he made a whip of cords. So for Jesus, this wasn't just flying off the handle. This was 
premeditated anger from Jesus. He saw what was going on, and so he took the time to make a whip. Jesus was like seething in his anger. He was so angry that he knew he had to disrupt everything that was going on. The hundreds of people that would have been inside the temple area, the thousands of people that would have been coming there, Jesus disrupted all of it. But I mean, I just, I think about Jesus making a whip of cords. Like he took the time, this was premeditated, planned expression of anger. Have you ever felt that way? What does it mean that Jesus in his perfect humanity felt that way? Then we have anguish, sorrow, and despair. In Mark 14, verses 33 and 34, it says, and he, this is Jesus, took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. Luke 22, 44 adds some color to this. It says this in the same situation, describing the same scene. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. Friends, this is anguish. This is Jesus' bodily response to what was in front of him, to what he knew was going to happen. Nerves, anxiety, uncertainty, fear are all wrapped up in this anguish that he felt. Jesus knew what was coming and yet he was in anguish over it. He was greatly distressed and troubled. And the language, it feels like it's so, I don't know, it feels kind of bland, doesn't it? My soul is very sorrowful even to death. We don't talk that way, right? But Jesus is saying, like, I I am brokenhearted. Like, I want to die rather than feel what I'm feeling right now. Have you ever felt that way? What does it mean for you that the perfect humanity of Jesus felt the same way? And then the last one we're going to look at is abandonment. In Mark 15, verse 34, and at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lemma sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? On the cross, Jesus felt like he was abandoned by God. Jesus cried out in despair and abandonment. Friends, if Jesus felt these ways, then it's okay for you to feel these ways. Your body reacts when your life is up or down or sideways. 
your body just reacts, and it's okay that your body reacts that way. Actually, you were designed by God to react that way. God has built into our bodies feelings and emotions so that, because it's like he knows, it's like he knows that sometimes we think in ways that don't let us actually admit what's going on in our lives. I can't feel this way because I'm a Christian, right? I'm not supposed to feel this way because, well, I don't know, I'm not that kind of person, right? We don't let ourselves feel certain things or, you know what, I am not going to let this person do this to me or make me feel this way. There's all kinds of things that we do that push our feelings out, that, that keep us from rightly judging how we should respond. And so God says, I'm going to build you with emotions. I'm going to give two parts of your brain. And I know there's a lot more than two, but there's an intellectual part of your brain. That's the part of the brain you think with. And then there's the emotional part of your brain. That's the part that you feel with. God says, sometimes you can't trust one or the other. So God says, I'm giving you emotions. I've given you emotions because I want you to be able to hear from all of you, not just your intellect, but I want you to hear from all of you how you are responding to the situations that are in your life. And so our emotions are part of our created self and part of our redeemed self. Now, it's not that we necessarily have to try to feel these things, but we just need to allow ourselves to feel these things. Okay, you don't have to wear all of your emotions on your sleeve, right? That's not what I'm talking about here. But you have to give yourself permission to feel whatever it is you're feeling. Because if you're feeling it, your body is telling you something. Now, your body might not be right, Okay, there are all kinds of dangers and this is one of the reasons why Christians become real stoic and the church is sort of, in a lot of the church, you've sort of like crushed down emotions and said, no, 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 those things. And we'll talk about more of that in the weeks to come. We're just starting the series today. Your emotions might not be good judgments, <laughs> but they are judgments that you need to acknowledge. You just need to give yourself permission that it's okay to feel these things. And it's not just okay to feel these things, but it's healthy to feel these things. That these feelings and emotions, they are expressions of the most mature human spirituality. And so you want to see these things when they show up in your life. Um, all right, so Jesus felt these things because he had to, right? He had to. He had to become like us in all things, which meant he had to take on the burden, that part of the burden of humanity was taking on emotions, right? That if, in order for Jesus to be the intercessor, to be the mediator between us and God, he had to become like us in all these ways, and so Jesus' emotions are part of his perfect humanity. But is that it? Is the only reason that Jesus felt these emotions because he was human? No. No, let's look at the list again. Let me show you the list again, right? 
It's the same list as before. These are all the emotions of Jesus in Mark's gospel. But they're not just the emotions of the human Jesus. These are also God's emotions in the Old Testament. This isn't just the way that perfect humanity felt on earth. This is the way that God felt and feels as God. So this means that Jesus felt those things, these things, because he was human and because he's God. To feel these ways is to feel like God. This shows God's joy and his pain and his suffering and his betrayal. Our emotions are part of us being made in the image of God. So God himself felt and feels all of these same things. Let me just show you a few of them. First, sorrow. God feels sorrow. In Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 through 7, says, let's go to the next slide. Do we have it? I want you to see these things in the text. I guess we don't have it. I will read it to you. If you have a Bible, if you have a phone, turn to Genesis 6, verse 5. It says, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him to his heart. Verse six, and the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. Do you ever have regrets? So does God. When you feel regret, God knows exactly how you feel. God also feels distress. Distress, this is Jeremiah 9. Jeremiah 9, verses 1 to 3. This is God speaking, okay? This is God speaking. Oh, that my head were waters and my eyes a fountain of tears, that I might weep day and night for the slain daughter of my people. Oh, that I had in the desert a traveler's lodging place, that I might leave my people and go away from them. For they are all adulterers, a company of treacherous men. They bend their tongue like a bow. Falsehood and not truth has grown strong in the land, for they proceed from evil to evil, and they do not know me, declares the Lord. God's saying, I wish that my head were a fountain of water, that I could just cry my eyes out. I wish I could just leave. I wish I had a place to go to escape. Have you ever felt that way? So does God. God. 
so it's not all negative, although we see all the positive stuff a lot, so I don't want to spend as much time on the positive, not because we don't want to connect to God in the positive emotions, but because, but so I do want to show you that God also experiences delight. Delight. In Proverbs chapter 8, um, verses 27 to 31, it says this. It says when God, oh, this is uh, wisdom is talking. Okay, so wisdom's talking here. And it says, when God established the heavens, I was there. So this is wisdom personified. Wisdom is talking. When God was making the heavens, I was there. Then I was beside him like a master workman, and I was daily his delight. So he's saying every day God delighted in me, wisdom. When he was making everything, it's like there I was. Wisdom was like I was right there with him, kind of working alongside with him, and he was delighted that all the things that he was making uh, reflected me, reflected wisdom. Then there's anger. There's anger. In Psalm 78, 65, this one will bother you, okay? This one's going to bother you because it bothers me. But it's in the Bible, so what do we do with it? Do we just pretend like it's not there, or do we actually say, hey, this is in our Bibles? Psalm 78, verse 65, listen to this. Then the Lord awoke as from sleep, like a strong man shouting because of wine. So the psalmist is here comparing God to a drunk who wakes up and is angry. God gets angry. He gets angry at wickedness and evil. He gets angry when society does evil things, but when we turn our backs on him, he gets angry. And sometimes God wakes up like an angry drunk and yells. Back on the positive side, um, then we have love, right? Love. Deuteronomy 7 is a great place where we see the love of God expressed. It says this, the Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you, for you were fewest of all peoples. But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. And so God is emotionally invested in us. He loves us. He loves his people, not because of how great we are. He loves people who aren't great, but it's his love that makes them great. And then, just like Jesus, abandonment. In Isaiah chapter 65, verses 1 and 2, this is God talking. God says, I was ready to be sought by those who did not ask for me. I was ready to be found by those who did not seek me. I said, here I am, here I am, to a nation that was not called by my name. I spread out my hands all the day to a rebellious people. What this is describing is that God was repeatedly shunned. God was waiting and hoping for his people to come back. 
And he just waited and waited and waited as his people abandoned him, as his people didn't come back. And what's striking about Isaiah 65 is that God is admitting that he's hurt. So God feels these ways and then describes it. He admits that he's hurt. And then, all right, here's one more. This one, this one floored me. Like, I, I don't, I don't, if this verse weren't in my Bible, I don't know that I would ever think God would think this because of other things that I think about God and what else the Bible says about him. But this is Jeremiah chapter three, verses six and seven. And again, we'll send these verses out um, this week if we have your email. If we don't, sorry. Um, Jeremiah three, verses six and seven. Listen to this. The Lord said to me in the days of King Josiah, have you seen what she did? That faithless one, Israel? How she went up on every high hill and under every green tree and there played the whore? So this is God describing his people, Israel, um, and how they've fallen after other gods and they're worshiping other gods right in God's face. And he says that's spiritual adultery. They're committing spiritual whoredom. Verse seven, this kills me here. Verse seven, this is God talking. God says, and I thought after she has done all this, she will return to me. But she did not return. God said, I thought, after she's done all this, she will return to me. But she did not return. Like, (laughs) stretch with me here. God said, I thought that after she had done all this, that she would come back. But she didn't. God thought that something was going to happen and it didn't. God thought that after Israel sowed her wild oats, that she would come back. But she didn't. God was hoping that something would happen, but it didn't. Have you ever felt that way? So does God. I don't know what to do with that. Because this is God. Now, I believe that this does fit in with everything else that the Bible says about God. Sometimes, though, we have to adjust and make sure the Bible really says these other things about God that we think it says. And sometimes it does, and we got to fit these things together. And sometimes it's like, oh, wait, hold on. I thought the Bible said this about God, but it really doesn't. There are people, there are churches, there are denominations that think that they've got God all figured out. They think that their theology is such a wonderful system, and and we're one of those. (laughs) We're one of those churches. We're one of those denominations. We have it all figured out. We have the Westminster Confession of Faith. Um, 
We have systematic theology that will answer really every question that you have. And there's a set of file folders, as you learn this, that you just develop in your head. You have mental file folders. And any time there's a question that comes up, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's the third file and the sixth thing. I mean, literally, there's an outline in my head. And if you ask me, I can, I can tell you where it is on the outline if you want. But normally, you don't. You just want the answer. Um, but if our systems don't allow us to receive what the Bible says then our systems need adjusting. If our understanding of who God is doesn't let God say, I thought after she had done this, she'd return to me, but she didn't, then whatever we think about God isn't complete. So if God felt this way, if God feels this way, then it's, it's okay for you to feel this way. Your body reacts in these ways to life when it's up or down or sideways because that's how God reacts to the world that we live in. So what are we gonna do with this? Right? What do we do with all of this? Well, we're just getting started. <laughs> right? This is one in eight and so right now, I just want you to know that our God is an emotional God. I want you to know that God reacts, that God has feelings and emotions. Some of those feelings are positive and wonderful, joy, delight, love, compassion. And some of these emotions are very negative, anger, hatred, um, loathing, um, abandonment, sorrow, distress, anguish. God and Jesus, right? Both In both persons, God has revealed himself in this way. And so God cares about how you feel. He cares about how you react to things in your life. And he wants you to know that he's with you. He doesn't want you to feel like there's anything that you could experience that he doesn't understand. Because he does. He wants you to know that he is with you in all of it. So emotions, they're God's gift to us. This is, they are part of us being the best versions of who God made us to be. Now again, we're going to look, we're going to talk about the dangers of emotions. Like we're going to talk about that stuff that's coming. But today, God is emotional. Jesus is emotional. And God is inviting us to greater maturity with our emotions. That through our emotions, we can reach levels of spiritual maturity that we can't without them. And so, um, so this week, what are we going to talk about this week? Um, I want you to spend time thinking about the emotions of God and Jesus, right? God in the Old Testament, Jesus in the New. Spend some time thinking about this, like, and just ask, like, what does this mean? Wow, God feels this way. I feel this way. What does it mean that God feels the same thing that I feel? Like, spend time thinking about that. And then, what do you do with these thoughts? What do you do with these thoughts? Well, I think the Psalms actually teach us what to do with our emotions, Okay, the Psalms teach us what to do with our emotions. 
they show us how to bring all these things together. So the Psalms are, um, <laughs> there's some cool ways you can think about the Psalms. The Psalms are the soundtrack of the Bible, right? They're the journaling of the Bible, and they're the social media account of the Bible. Seriously. Um, the soundtrack of the Bible. These are songs that God inspired to let his people engage in their emotions, right? Because singing is by nature emotional because it involves more of our bodies. Um, but the Psalms also, they're the journaling, right? They're, they are the reflections and the experiences of people in relationship with God and in the, all the circumstances of life. So the Psalms are like journal writings. I mean, not not as raw as you or I might, because, I mean, they're also packaged and presented to the whole nation of Israel, right? So it's, you know, some of the stuff, but there's a lot of stuff in there that you're like, dang, I wouldn't share that if I were, you know, I wouldn't put the, my name on a Psalm of David. Really, David, you're going to claim that? Okay, thank you. Glad I'm not the only one. Um, but then also the social media account, right? The social media account, but again, in this way, the Bible's social media account is much better and healthier than ours, because our social media accounts are us putting the best foot forward, right? Putting our best pictures, putting our best events, our best memories. And that's cool. Like, I get it. You know, if you're going to put how depressed you are on social media, like, people think you're weird. That's just not how you're supposed to do it. But in God's social media account, it's much more honest than our Instagram or Facebook accounts. And it's important for you to know this. Some of the Psalms are prayers, but not all of them are. Some of the Psalms, this is one of the things you can do as you read them, <clears throat> some of the Psalms are written to God, right, where they're singing to God or, they're, or journaling to God, but some of the Psalms are directly written to the community. They're written to be shared with everyone else in the community. They are written so that the whole community would sing them, and sometimes the whole community is singing directly to God, and sometimes the community is singing to each other. We do this too. If you notice this in some of our songs, not all of our songs are upward. Some of them are outward, you know, and, and, and inward to each other. And so, um, and so the Psalms are people sharing their experience of God with the rest of their community so that everyone else can know that they're not alone. That they're part of a community that has highs and lows and lives that go up, down, and sideways. And so the Psalms teach us to see our emotions, to sing our emotions, to pray our emotions, to journal them, and then to share them with others. And this is kind of where we want to go. Um, so let's see here. So let's do, like, so th th really those are five things you can do. You don't have to do all of them. But you can see your emotions. That's what I want you to do especially. See your emotions. Look at the way that you react to stuff this week. And just... Just say, oh, hey, I'm reacting. Hey, I, my body thinks something about this. My body's making a judgment. I like this, right? Or I'm hungry, right? That's your body saying, hey, you haven't eaten in a long time, right? Or I'm tired. That's your body saying, hey, yeah, you need to do more sleep. Doesn't mean that your body's right. Your response might be, okay, I'll sleep some more. Or your response might be, yeah, shut up and take some caffeine and we'll keep going. And your body's like, cool all right, I can do that, at least for a period of time, right? 
Um, but so see your emotions. Look at your reactions. Hey, I'm angry about this. Hey, this really bothered me. You know what? I'm worried about the future. You know what? I don't know if I have enough money, right? Just look and see the way that you react and realize, you know what? Your reactions, it, this doesn't mean that you like start crying. Like, I'm not talking about just in any way that you react emotionally. Just be aware. Oh, hey, I'm reacting emotionally. You know what? I feel cared for by this person. That's a good feeling. Like, I have joy, right? I mean, just see your emotions this week. Look at your reactions. If you want, sing them, right? Ben's got an album. You can also buy it on iTunes if you don't, if you don't do. Who does CDs anymore? Um, <laughs> just kidding, Ben. A lot of us do. Um. <laughs> Third, pray. Like, pray your emotions, Tell God, God, I'm feeling this. Like, that's a very healthy thing to do. And you don't have to judge what you're feeling. I mean, if you don't want to, you say, God, I'm feeling this. I don't know why even, but I'm feeling this. Talk to God about it. Writing it is a good thing, right? Journal it. Just write it down. This is what I felt. Um, and at this point, don't even worry about, again, analyze. Just write down that you felt this way. Because, again, we're just trying to develop emotionally healthy spirituality, and so just being aware of how much you feel is a good step forward. We're going to start slow here. Um, and then the fifth thing you can do is you can share. You can share it with somebody else. Maybe share it with a spouse. Maybe share it with a close friend. Um, you don't have to post this on social media. Feel free if you want to. Hashtag Emotionally Healthy Spirituality Series at Harbor City Church <laughs> if you want. Um, but when you have the experience of sharing your emotions with someone else, something, does wonderf something wonderful does happen there. So um, share. And because I want to keep all of you from reading all 150 Psalms this week, let me just give you three that you might look at. Um, if you're up, Psalm 103. If you're down, Psalm 13. And if you're sideways, Psalm 73. Okay? Okay. If you're up, down, or sideways, these are three good psalms that can just get you started, where you can see the emotional impact um, that the psalmist brings to bear on the different circumstances of life. So that's your homework, is just to begin, just to start slow and take some steps in identifying the emotions that you have, the emotions that God has, the emotions that Jesus had. And here's the last thing I want to say. Like, why would you want to trust me enough to follow this pathway that's in front of us? Let me tell you, here's why. Because Jesus rose from the dead. Okay? Jesus rose from the dead. So this perfect emotional humanity. Jesus lived these emotions honestly. He lived these emotions and was honest about them, so honest that people saw it enough to where they wrote it down. These were characteristics of who Jesus was. And God so supported Jesus' life. God so supported the perfect emotional humanity of Jesus that he raised him from the dead. As you take steps in the direction of emotional health, God will come to your aid and your support. God will comfort you. God will protect you. God will vindicate you in the same way that he vindicated Jesus in the resurrection. 
And so we're not just following Jesus because he's a good example, but we're following Jesus as the one who, even in death, God brought him out, and now he's living forever. Emotionally healthy living leads to eternity. And so let's follow Jesus in this, because his resurrection says that we have every reason and motivation to do so. Let's pray. God, thank you for revealing yourself to us. Thank you for showing your own emotions to us. Things that are up and down and sideways. God, I pray that you would help us wherever we are and whatever aspect of this we need to look at. God, help us to take some steps this week to walk in this. Help us to see our own emotions and to begin to begin to take steps toward greater health, greater humanity, and a fuller expression of what it means that we're in your image. God, do this and help us to meet you in it. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.